0: it comes to the resurrection I think uh, a lot of us as Catholics we believe that it's real we believe that's important the only difficulty is that we don't really think that it's all that relevant we don't think that's all that practical and so obviously that's a huge uh, problem right so you can believe in the concept of the resurrection but if you don't see its relevance in terms of our ordinary lived-out experience then in a certain sense what's the point So as an important starting point, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So St. Paul is talking about the resurrection. And what he says is that if the resurrection is not real, therefore the dead have not been raised. Therefore Christ has not been raised. Therefore our faith is in vain and we're still in our sins. And so in a certain sense, what St. Paul is saying here is that the resurrection is the key and foundational tenet of our faith, which is basically to say this, if the resurrection isn't real, if the resurrection isn't a historical reality, therefore, everything Christ said is a lie. Everything Christ said is a lie, and therefore, again, our faith is in vain, we are still in our sins, and we are the most pitiful of all people. You see, we can even take it one step further, right? So think back to that really famous scene, this really important dialogue between Martha and Jesus in the aftermath of the death of Martha's brother, Lazarus, right? And so uh, Jesus arrives in the scene in response to which Martha says to him, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In response to which Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. But then Martha says to him, well, look, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection at the last day in response to which Jesus speaks again. And so what he says very famously is, I am the resurrection and the life. And so again, I am the resurrection and the life. And you see, in the context of this really short and somewhat pithy sort of line, Jesus is saying something really important to Martha and therefore to all of us about the reality of the resurrection. And so basically what he's saying to her is this your primary difficulty when it comes to the resurrection is that you think the resurrection is exclusively a future-based thing. And that's not entirely wrong. I mean, it is true that at some point in the future, all things will be made new and so on and so forth. But at the same time, you got to recognize the resurrection is meant to have a major impact on your life even now. Because if you think about it, who am I? I am God and everything that implies, right? So I'm not simply the Alpha and the Omega in the sense of being the beginning and the end. I am also Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God who is with us. So I am fully present to the people of God. I am fully present to you even right now. I who am the resurrection and the life. And you see, what this means for us, practically speaking, is that instead of sort of holding our breath and and kind of gritting our teeth until, you know, that which is to come, we're invited to cooperate actively with God's grace, which is fully present to us even now, to bear in our lives the first fruits of the resurrection. Not simply for our benefit, but for the glory of the one living and true God. So to illustrate the point, I want to share with you this really extended but beautiful example from the life of Natalie Stefanik. He was the wife of Chris Stefanik, who of course is this really famous professional Catholic speaker. So basically as the story goes, Natalie was at home previewing this DVD, in the context of which her husband Chris was one of the speakers. But then all of a sudden, Natalie went to the kitchen for a moment, but then came back to see her 11-year-old daughter Rosie rewinding the DVD, because basically Chris had said something about Natalie in the context of the show. So basically, as a bit of background, back in the day, Natalie had struggled with various instances of sexual abuse as a result of which she grew up and, and suffered from substance abuse and whatnot. And so basically, in the context of this DVD, Chris was sharing part of her story. But the thing is, Rosie hadn't heard any part about her mother's past until this particular time. So initially, as perhaps to be expected, Natalie was in a bit of a panic, so initially what she tried to do was try to downplay the situation, like telling Rosie some variation of, I think you misunderstood what your father said, but Rosie was sort of inconsolable, and so what Natalie decided to do was to go upstairs with her little daughter and tell her the whole story, so they basically spent two hours lying on the bed, sort of going over all these different nuances of Natalie's past. see, here's where the story gets kind of interesting and beautiful. And so even though, as to be expected, Rosie was obviously upset in response to hearing different parts of her mother's story for the first time, at the end of her testimony, Natalie basically said to her daughter, look, don't cry, don't mourn for me. Because the reality is that I am the walking example and manifestation of God's redeeming love. So again, Rosie, don't cry, don't mourn for me, but instead, share in my joy. And so basically what ended up happening is that after hearing Natalie's testimony, the story of her wounded past, the story of her redemption in Christ, Rosie was changed forever. And so Rosa came to see her mother differently, but in a good way. In addition to that, her heart expanded, her wisdom grew, and she came to develop a worldview which was much more rich, much more mature. And so she came to see the world not simply in its woundedness, but she came to see this woundedness in light of the power of the resurrection, the resurrection which can truly make all things new in the fullness of time. Now, just to kind of close off that particular story, Natalie sort of concluded her testimony by saying that after sharing her story with Rosie, she decided to share her story with all of her kids in a way which was obviously age-appropriate, in response to which Chris said to her after kind of listening to her share her story, um, I could just see our kids touching your side, touching your wounded side. And, of course, with that subtle reference, Chris was alluding to that really famous gospel story of St. Thomas, who comes to believe in the power of the resurrection by touching the wounded side of the resurrected Christ. And so just to kind of quickly recap that particular story, you'll recall how in the aftermath of the resurrection, Jesus Christ appears in the midst of his disciples and says to them, Peace be with you, gives them the power to forgive sins, the whole nine yards. But then, of course, St. Thomas isn't with them. And so when Jesus leaves and the disciples tell St. Thomas about what they've seen and heard, Thomas refuses to believe them. And so instead of listening to their testimony about the resurrection, it's kind of interesting, St. Thomas chooses instead to listen to his pain. To listen to his pain in the aftermath of the crucifixion. A pain which tells him the lie that at the end of the day, pain has the final word. Death has the final word. Sin has the final word. Because at the end of the day, the resurrection simply isn't real. But you see, what's interesting is that the thing that turns him around, the thing which helps him to eventually realize and embrace the reality and power of the resurrection, is when Jesus Christ appears to him and invites him to touch his wounded hands and to touch his wounded side. In response to which Thomas says very famously, my Lord and my God. And you see, the thing I want to suggest to you now is that the same dynamic is supposed to play out in the context of our own lives. Because, you see, to pull it all together, the whole idea is this. When Christ brings to our attention the various ways in which we have been wounded, whether we're talking about various failures to love or our various hurts in whatever shape or form, we should not use these revelations as an opportunity to wallow in self-pity or discouragement or despair, but to rather realize that these revelations are meant to present to us an opportunity, an opportunity to give glory to God, Because whenever there's a wound, there's always an opportunity for healing. Whenever there's a sin, there's always an opportunity, of course, for forgiveness. And whenever there's death, there's always an opportunity for resurrection. And you see, the whole point is that when we have the courage and the wherewithal to work through our own brokenness with time and with patience and in collaboration with the resurrected Christ, we too will put ourselves in a position where we can present to other people our own wounded hands, our own wounded side, such that they too might come to believe in the reality and power of the resurrection, such that they too might be able to say in their own way, my Lord and my God. And may God bless you all.